Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Monsters podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Chris Krogman, Joe Gaither, and Luke Barry. Discussing all topics, Chicago Bears. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Good evening. We are live on the Believe in Monsters podcast, the Monday night. Bears conversation. Welcome into the Believe in Monsters podcast. You guys are watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere that you get your podcast listed to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else on the podcast platforms. We appreciate the Believe Network putting us on each and every week to talk about our Chicago Bears, and that's exactly what we're going to do tonight as we are now into week number two of training camp. Our Chicago Bears are getting rolling. The pads are on. Real highlights are coming out, hitting our social media timeline. So we are very, very excited to talk about Chicago Bears football with you guys. Make sure you follow us at BIM underscore pod on the Twitter machine. Follow my friends Chris Krogman and Lucas Berry at LBerry underscore 40. Chris Krogman at Shy Bears 1985. We're going to have a fun episode today. We're going to be welcome in uh, from 24-7 Sports. Mr. Usaid Kasul will join us in just a little bit to break down everything that he has seen from Chicago Bears training camp already. But we've got several storylines to get into before you say joins us, and we welcome you guys to jump in and join us on the comments on the Facebook side of things. Send us your comments, questions, queries, and complaints, or on the Twitter side of things, whatever you like. The DMs are always open. Mr. Chris Krogman, the Bears signed an edge rusher. Let's get into it, but first tell us how you're doing this evening. Joe, that was your best intro ever. Best one. We're getting better uh, every week. Thank you. Doing uh doing well. Doing well over here. Uh excited for what we got like five days until the Tennessee Titans uh and the Chicago Bears face off. Uh sounds like uh that should be fun. That should be fun. Family Fest was fun for all the people. Uh, so if you went out to there, hope you had a good time. Um, but I'm doing good. Luke Barry, how are you, man? I am doing well. I'm ready to rock and roll tonight. I had a fantastic weekend. Went back to Pennsylvania to visit the family. Um, you know, played some golf, played in a little golf outing, played second in, in our uh, tournament there. So that was really nice. Um, but doing well recording here on Monday. We're going to recap two weeks of training camp, basically. Uh, and we'll have Usaid on, who is firsthand watching some of these practices, and we'll hear his reports. So, uh, I mean, let's let's dive right into it, guys. We had some big news, you know, the past, I guess, like right after we recorded last week, right? Like Tuesday or Wednesday, some of these signings dropped. Um Anyway, the Bears signed Yannick Ngakwe, uh, one year for $10 million or $10.5 million, I believe. And they also, more importantly, signed Mercedes Lewis in his 
27th season in the league. Um, Joe, how are we feeling about these signings? I mean, well, one, we were talking about who's going to be our tight end three, and we were throwing out random names that Chris and I didn't know. Um, and then we were also talking about where's this edge rusher that Bulls has got aside. So, Joe, break down each one of these guys. How are you feeling about them? Well, okay, I'm feeling obviously better about uh, Yannick Ngakwe because of I think he's going to have a higher impact on this team this season. Mercedes Lewis, if he look, he's not going to be catching passes, and Bears fans should not expect that at all. He's there to be a sixth offensive lineman, really. He's there to be a blocking specialist, and that's great. I think if you if, you, if he stays healthy, uh, he's proven that he can be a pretty daggum good blocker in this league and catch a pass or two. But I think his uh, his real impact on the offense is going to be on the blocking side of things. And look, it just gives Luke Getze another guy he can throw out there who can you know hopefully move the pile and move move, move opposing defensive lines. Uh, so I think it's gr- I think both moves are really good. You've seen a lot of. Um, not a lot, but you've seen some complaints about paying Ngakwe uh, $10 million, but we had to spend the money anyways. The money had to be spent. Uh, and, of course, you see Justin Houston get signed, what, yesterday, two days ago, uh, at 7 at $6 million. Who cares? That three extra million dollars is the premium you pay for his age, uh, for, for Ngakwe's age, the, uh, the, the younger player. And, of course, you hear the people, oh, he can't play the run, he can't play the run. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We didn't have anybody who could rush the passer or the dam. I mean, maybe you get something out of Terrell Lewis. Maybe you get something out of Tra- Travis Gibson. Uh, maybe you get something out of uh, what, Trevon Walker, who you just signed. And Gakwe has been there, done that. That ten million dollars, even if it's even if it, you know, even if he does ha- have a bad year, like that ten ten million dollars, boom, you're you're one year and you're done after that. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with both the signings. I think that Ngakwe will yield better results, uh, but but I think Mercedes Lewis is just as important because of what he will do for this offense, not just um, not just. You know he's not going to be a big big weapon in the passing game, but what he will do is open up Cole Komet to be in the passing game, get get into route trees and run run routes, so that you know Mercedes will handle that extra blocking duties uh, from the tight end perspective. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with uh, with both the moves. Doctor Krogman, any uh, any further th- further thoughts or elaborations about the two moves? You got any ideas about Mister Ngakwe and Mercedes Lewis? Joe, I think he covered everything. That was a lot. There's a lot in a, in a little little amount of time. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, uh, I think, was probably there in Green Bay when Getzey was there, so that gives him some more familiarity to bring that veteran leadership to that that room, and then Tunyon as well. So uh, I think Robert Tunyon was the reason that Lewis signed in Chicago. Uh, Tunyon, you know, talked about how much fun they're having and how good it is. He's 39 years old, though. I had no idea Mercedes Lewis was that old. It trips me out because, like, I wanted to draft Mercedes Lewis when he came out of UCLA. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was like, so long ago that I actually remember which college he went to because I was paying attention to the draft and all that uh, way back then. Uh, as far as Ngakwe goes, I've liked uh, Yannick for many, many seasons. Dudes never had – uh, I think less than, well, unless he was hurt, um, less than like eight sacks uh, in a season. So, no, that's not true. He's always had eight sacks in a season. Um, 
I didn't realize how many teams he'd been with. You know, the Jags, Vikings, Ravens, Raiders, Colts, dudes, you know, only 28. Like, it's, it's, I mean, it, Lucas, you called it out. He can't, you know, he's like a turnstile with the run defense. But uh, Iberflus, I guess, said that he is a three down player. So we'll see. Hopefully that's just coach talk, but we'll see. And he got the nod of confidence from Rod Marinelli. And I think that was a big selling point, at least from what I read. Um, because Marinelli and Iberflus have a you know, good relationship for a while. So um, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I mean, this is fascinating. Joe, I think you kind of hit it on the head when, you know, people were talking about the $3 million difference between Houston and uh, Ngakwe. But, you know, maybe if Ngakwe does go out there, you know, has a really good, solid season rushing the passer, but also shows some ability to stop the run, you know, maybe this is a guy Poles looks to extend, uh, you know, for a few more seasons. So. Uh, it is an intriguing possibility. Um, I guess polls has been kind of, uh, I don't know. It kind of seems like his thing to give some of these guys one year deals and see what they got. Um, so I like that style. Uh, don't, don't, don't handcuff ourselves to yeah. question marks for long terms. Did yeah, you also, it, speaking, of that, speaking of that, do you see we're still paying what four and a half million, three and a half million dead cap money to uh, well, I don't, I guess we're not paying it, but uh, you got three and a half, four and a half million of dead cap money for Danny freaking Trevathan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are some uh, bad deals Ryan Pace always gave out. So, uh, nice, nice to see you know the one year deals coming in, but obviously, like I said, if they do, you know, Ngakwe does go out there, balls out, has a great year, you know, if you extend him and then draft a pass rusher. All of a sudden, your uh, you know D end room and edge room is looking a lot better. So, um, kind of excited uh, to see how that works out. I mean, Ngakwe is going to be. I mean, he will be the Bears' best pass rusher. So, something they definitely needed. Kind of the missing infinity stone to a mediocre defense, but um, <laughs> that was not a normal drop for Lucas Perry. That was amazing. Well, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the Bears' defensive ceiling is. Um, but speaking about defense, we should get into this because there has now been two fights in training camp. Uh, both seem to be caused by you know feisty defense. Chris, I'm going to let you take the uh, the first one happened early last week. Vilas Jones got a little scuffle, right? Do you know uh, exactly what happened in that incident with the defense? Uh, my only. The only thing I read or heard was that Jones Jr. had uh, had some tough plays, um, some pass breakups against him, or uh, things not going his way uh, a couple plays in a row. And then uh, the defense just kept chirping at him, chirping at him, chirping at him, which they had been doing for you know pretty much since pads went on. And uh, finally, he just got pissed and chucked the football at somebody or got in somebody's face and tried to fight. Uh, what was it? Brisker? Did you try to fight Brisker? <laughs> yeah. 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 It seems like a Brisker matchup for that one. The other one, though, I think would have gone to the offense. Claypool versus Eddie Jackson? Yeah. I think Eddie Jackson wants that smoke. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. Do you think uh, – I mean, I know people – Apparently, Eddie Jackson kind of laid a, a big hit on Chase Claypool as he was going out of bounds. I mean, do you guys think that's fair game for camp? Like, is that, I mean, is that some kind of was, move you make if Claypool's being a little punk in the locker room? You just want to light him up? 
I mean, first off, can you imagine that happening? I doubt Claypool's being a punk in the locker room. I mean, just based on things everybody's saying. But two, like I heard he didn't even knock him down. Oh, it really? Just, it was just a big hit. And then three, uh, is it fair game? I don't know. I mean, yes and no. It's it's it's, it's like. Uh, I don't know. You want to get your teammates the best reps that they can get, but be aware of not injuring your teammates as well, I suppose is is what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Joe? Obviously. Does your, does your Bama guy want to fight my Notre Dame friend? Uh, no, I don't think that would work out very well for him. Uh, I think Eddie Jackson's pretty tough, but but uh, Claypool, he's a, he's a big dude, isn't he? He's like uh, six, three, yeah, yeah. So, but I do think it's fair. I mean, bring the wood in practice. Bring you know, not every time you can't be head hunting. Uh, the clip that I saw was from far away, like a far field shot of Claypool going down the sidelines and Eddie coming up and hitting him. Uh, and yeah, it didn't look like he hit him. He knocked him down. But uh, at some point, like you just. Yeah, it's at some point you just um you just it just happens in football. It just happens in football where you know you have a nice hit that happens and people get upset. You know, I don't really think that anybody. Uh, I haven't gotten the vibe that there's real offense versus defense animosity between the two sides. I think it's just you know competitive football. We're playing the Colts. What next week? Two uh, ne- Titans. Week. We're playing the Titans. Don't but don't we have joint practice with the uh, with somebody? I think so. Yeah, I think the. Joint practices, maybe they go two weeks, and maybe they span the first week, and then, you know, they end up playing the Colts the second week. But okay. um, they do play the Titans this Saturday. Yes, yeah, so, so I think we're playing the we're having joint practices with the Colts before the preseason game, and you'll you know I think that'll be good for the guys to not just be banging on each other all the time. Right. Well, yeah, I guess my point wasn't really like oh the you know these guys hate each other. It was more so that um it's it's good for me to see you know, some competitiveness out of this defense that frankly last year was horrible. I mean, they're probably the worst defense in the league. And and then this year, you know, you hear these guys barking at each other, you know, Jackson Brisker, um, you know, apparently Tremaine Edmonds has been a solid vocal leader over there as well. So um, I, I like the competitive fiery practices they're having. Um, and, uh, you know, the defense is going to bring some energy. And I think the offense is going to be, you know, they're, they have some more even keeled guys over there. Who did you mention, Lucas? Brisker, Eddie Jackson, Jermaine. Yeah, Demarcus, Demarcus Walker. Demarcus Walker, yeah. Pretty loud as well. Yeah, I forgot about him. Um, you are absolutely right, though. They A lot of reports I, I saw said he was, like, you know, one of the biggest vocal leaders uh, last week, especially along the defensive line. So, um, good call on that, Chris. We, we love seeing, you know, grab the bull by the horns, get the defense in shape. The biggest thing was effort last year seemed like it was just, I mean, from missing from a lot of players. Uh, I think the secondary played as well as they could have, but really you want to see that defensive line try to get a little, find a little pride, find a little pride and play with a little pride. Yeah, definitely. Definitely want to see your guys put put all of their effort into uh, practice games even if it is against your own team talking shit something i think is uh really fascinating to me is 
uh, for the longest time with, you know, with Ryan Pace, it seemed like the Bears kind of lacked like a culture or an identity or whatever. Um, but with Ryan Poles, you know, they're these specific types of players they're looking for, you know, fiery competitors, guys who are underdogs, all that kind of feeds into this. And uh, now you're seeing, you know, kind of the culmination of these draft picks where these guys are more vocal at practice. You know, they're more fired up uh, for small things like Clay, Claypool included, like all these guys, you know, kind of have that fiery attitude. And I think that is, you know, kind of shining through what Ryan, one of the things Ryan Poles is really looking for, you know, these guys that love football and in competition. So I just think that's fascinating kind of in year two of this, I guess, where that's what we're seeing in practice. I love it. What do you uh, make? Can I throw this out here before you say comes on here? Um, did I get duped by the internet from what I saw today? Randy Moss. Uh, Randy Moss jumping in and saying that, let's see, here we go. Tyler Scott, early impact. Who is it? This is Michael Rosenberg. Uh, Michael Rosenberg writes for Sports Illustrated. And basically, uh, what did I see? I, I saw basically that somebody – it was essentially saying how good Tyler Scott was going to be. Uh, did I get duped by the internet? Let's find this. But it's essentially <laughs> hyping up Tyler Scott as being uh, the steal, the, the the receiving steal of uh, of this coming this NFL draft class. Did you compare him to Randy Moss? Yes, I'm. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> that, that's why I'm asking if I got duped by the internet because I definitely saw. Uh, here we go. Uh, Tyler Scott. No, okay. He's uh, found it like three times. Oh, no, here we go. No. Here we go. He got duped here we go. by the internet. He got duped by the internet. Well, um, yes, Tyler. Okay, this is. <laughs> oh, this is just watching Joe read. It's, it's a fake account. Uh, uh, Scott is reportedly thought of to be the best young receiver by Randy Moss. Randy Moss said it's not even close, but I think this is these are two fake accounts back to back. Which Randy Moss? <laughs> like, I'm about to put Randy up in the Moss? chat so y'all can laugh at me. Why did you see Randy no, Moss? Chris, that he's white read- bald dude. I'm reading. Uh, he, he's reading. He's reading from Mandy Ross. Who's Manny Ross? <laughs> That's the account you're reading from, Joe. It's fake. I was instead reading of, from instead of Randy Moss, Joe Mandy Ross. Oh, I was reading from Michael Cogashell Cog- uh, awesome. from Richmond, Virginia, and from Bartholomew Willie Jacks, <laughs> who claims to be super <laughs> legit NFL insider. So yes, Joe Gaither just got fooled by the internet today. Uh, Joe, Joe Gaither follows all super legit. NFL insiders. Well, damn dude. Sometimes that happens on Twitter when you give out blue check for eight for for eight dollars. Well, our friend is here, Joe Gaither. Do you want to do you want to introduce our guest tonight? Yeah, let me make sure I get his Twitter correct so so that everybody can go follow him. Yeah, now our our friend, you say Kuchul covers the Chicago Bears for the twenty four seven Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Ushade Kuchul U S A Y D Kuchul K O S H. UL, Mr. Usage Kasul, the insider report. Scoops Kasul joins us right from Bears training camp. He's still up in Howis Hall, grinding away. What's going on, man? Thanks for hanging out with us. How is life in Howis Hall? It's uh, good, you know, really nice facility. I feel like that's one of the good things that the previous regime left us with outside of 
pretty legit quarterback. Um, but yeah, things are going well. You know, I uh, went to Aldi today earlier today, just about thirty minutes before this. Decided to pick up some like chocolate covered, dark chocolate covered cranberries and pomegranates. You know, really good stuff that I got addicted to this summer. So I've been munching on those. Probably due for a trip to the uh, dentist pretty soon here, but who cares, right? Sure thing. As long as you're hitting the gym, right? Exactly. Yeah. Is there a dentist at Hallis Hall? There's probably is, honestly. So when they like re renovated Hallis Hall, this is going back like five or six years, I didn't have a media pass at that point. So whatever I was getting in terms of like, this is what's at Hallis Hall, because they gave like the media at the time an entire tour of the new place. And so, yeah, there's pretty sure there's a barbershop I've heard. There is obviously like an entire athletic training room they've at four really nice football fields the walter payton center is pretty pretty nice as well and then well yeah they got like a smoothie bar too you know and they got like a commercial like so, kitchen fridge for uh, well they definitely have a dentist in there too probably let's hook you probably. up with the, uh, the barber shop when are you gonna get hooked up and be like hey man i need the free cut I'm, I'm i'm working for the team i can't make my own barber shop just slide me in there that's a good question Probably as soon as they respond to some of my emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the biggest takeaway from camp so far? You've been there for a handful of days. You saw Family Fest over the weekend. What? What? what we've been practicing almost two weeks now. What, what? What have been some of your let's say top three biggest takeaways uh, from camp so far? Yeah, guys. I think just number one is that. And this comes largely from just watching them yesterday, getting a chance to sit up there in the press box. I mean, it's a world of difference when you're up there in the press box and you've got that bird's eye view of everything that's going on compared to when you are literally having to share bleachers with the fans at training camp. But the big thing was just this, right, is watching the bird's eye view of this offense yesterday is it's, it's going to be an incredibly diverse offense in terms of the play calling. And that largely stems from, number one, we know the ability of the quarterback. But then number two, the big thing is that the Bears have a incredibly diverse set of playmakers because we look at players that were brought in last year, like an Equinemia St. Brown or a – um, Chase Claypool, as Joe here makes me laugh, but you look at EQ and Chase, those guys are, you know, your bigger wide receivers that are going to be on the field when the Bears are running the football, but then you have some of your smaller guys too, like a DJ Moore or a Darnell Mooney, even a Tyler Scott, who we'll get to in a moment or two here and a Vailis Jones Jr. Exactly. Yes. And Vegas Jones Jr., who, you know, you can have those big plays with them. So just seeing the diversity of the playmakers really gets me thinking when I look at, you know, this outside zone running scheme slash West Coast offense. I mean, the big thing is that ultimately you can run, you know, a scissors concept out of it. You can have your wide tight end running down the seam, but that's going to open up your, uh, you know, X or your Z wide receiver to be running a cop route, which is literally a corner or post route based on what the defense is showing you. Or you're going to have your standard like Texas concept, which is have a dig or a shallow in there. Then your running back is running a angle route. So there's a lot of, I think, diversity that exists with kind of the way that Luke gets, he's going to call plays. And the second thing is just that, and DJ Moore alluded to this yesterday in his press conference, basically mentioning that there's a natural confidence that Justin Fields has, and he clearly trusts his playmakers. It's 
honestly, the handful of days I've been there, it's at a level that we really have not seen before from a Bears quarterback. So that's something that is really positive and encouraging to see because the reality of it is the Bears went all in on Justin this offseason, and it wasn't just a DJ Moore trade. It was, hey, we're going to continue to invest in the offensive side of the ball by signing Dante Foreman and Roshan Johnson. But ultimately what it comes down to, and then the two big, you know, free agent signings as well. So the Bears are giving Justin the keys to the kingdom per se here and saying, hey, go ahead and make the most of it. And quite frankly, you look at his throwing motion too. I mean, he, I understand, has a background playing shortstop because he played baseball when he was younger, but you just see the ball coming out more naturally now in terms of his throws aren't necessarily these, like, incredibly high-archy throws. They're kind of like those quick twitch, you know, fit it in between the incredibly tight windows. Sort of like when you've got a... um easiest way to describe it and i'm not the biggest baseball guy on the planet but you know when you have like your shortstop basically just throwing a quick ball to second base right you're seeing that ball come out with ease you're just whipping it out there's kind of that flick of the wrist and the big thing is that that ball does not get higher than that shortstop shoulders right it's literally right here between like torso and hips so you're seeing a lot of that from justin too which is completely fine because this is an offense that's predicated on play action passes while short quick passes and then the big thing is this is the secondary for and the defense really in general for all the talk that you guys have seen on social media has really come in and set the tone. Now I will admit it's easier to understand and play defense than it is to play offense, especially when it comes to football. But the reality of it is that that defense has a lot of veteran leadership that have played in those big games, right? You have TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds to the free agent linebackers that Paul signed this off season. And then you have some vets who weren't necessarily on the best of teams, but they still stood out when they made plays. Like Demarcus Walker has been out pretty much every single practice except two or three of them, but you see him standing like literally 10 yards away from what's going on, especially during the 11-on-11s, helping hype up those young guys. Javon Dexter Sr. is one of the biggest defensive linemen out there. I was not a fan of the Dexter pick when it happened, but I honestly have to say I'm surprised with him and the back end of that defense too. I mean, Jaquan Brisker allows this defense to go from nickel and dime within an instant. You know, Kyler Gordon is a guy who honestly, you can just tell his footwork. He is moving at a much smoother pace and you're seeing that natural athleticism that Matt Eberflus raved about last year really come to life. So the secondary and the entire defense in general, it just keeps coming together. Awesome. That sounds awesome. You say all the good things that you are saying, I am loving to hear. Uh, you have been a pretty big proponent of Jervon Dexter this, uh, this camp season. Uh, I was a big fan of his, in the draft uh, process, uh, really liked, you know, the size, the athleticism. Biggest knock was the get off. Uh, you know, there have been like Herb Lawrence asked uh, Matt Eberflus about the get off and uh, Eberflus said he still had to work on it and said it was a work in progress uh, that he can still win 
uh, you know, just with his pure strength and and that and and talent, but that uh, to be elite, he'd have to improve that get off. What have you seen, you know, when you've been at camp as far as Dexter's uh, kind of snap recognition and getting off the ball? Yeah, he has definitely, you can tell from the first or second day to where he's at right now. And again, I haven't been to every practice, but I still have colleagues at the Bear Report who are there covering it. So I pretty much get like, as good information as you know anyone but i think you know you do see it consistently improving to the point where the thing with the snap recognition and the get off is he's now learning to go ahead and um really be able to just kind of play and flow freely to the football and play with a sense of gap integrity that he really didn't have at Florida state. Because if you look at Jervon, I mean, arriving at Florida state, he, I'm sorry, Florida, he was a guy who was recruited under Dan Mullen. But then the reality is that he ended up playing under an entirely new coaching staff. So there is a sense of, you know, massive adjustment that took place for him, his, final season at Florida, but this year, you know, I think that what you're seeing with him is this, right? Is that he's certainly grown and you see he's coming into his own in terms of the natural strength that Ryan Poles just would not shut up about during that day two presser during the draft. But, but you said on, on that take and, and, and I'll get Luke, Luke get in here. Is he not just looking at the daggum football and is it not just read and react? Is it not just, Hey, I'm looking down the line of scrimmage. And as soon as the ball is snapped, I'm going like, how, what do you really do? Or what can you really uh, coach to get that get off to be better? Honestly, you're right. It is a bit of like read and react, but also kind of where you line up on the defensive line matters too. So in this defense, you've got Justin Jones, who is playing three technique. And I honestly think that Justin Jones is making, I think, $3 million this year, but he is the most experienced defensive lineman that the Bears have who played in the system last year because he also played with the LA Chargers. But the point being is this, is that, you know, Dexter's a guy he's going to open up the season as a rotational player, but as soon as he gets a feel for what the defensive ends are doing and then what he's supposed to be doing, just focusing on his responsibility, you'll see him kind of go ahead and take off in terms of being able to just play and fire off the ball with such ease. Because like I said, right now, Jones is playing kind of that three-tech role. You could look at a guy like Dexter and say he's most likely going to fit in as a one-tech in this defense, but they'll eventually transition him over to three-tech. Because if you look at his body type, he certainly has everything that Eberflus wants in a three-technique in terms of generating that interior pressure. And this is, I should note, it's a 4-3-2 gap scheme is what it is. Or I'm sorry, it's a 4-3-1 gap scheme is what it is. That means every defensive lineman is responsible for one specific gap. But when you kind of – and the Bears' defense isn't as, you know, wide and spread out, especially on the defensive line, as the Bears were under Vic Fangio, right? Vic had – and I understand it was a 3-4 and this is a 4-3, but Vic had Akeem Hicks lined up at that five technique right, who was all the way out wide. And then you had Eddie Goldman, who was lined up at that zero technique. Well, effectively, what that did was kick Eddie Goldman into being a two-gap player, which then allowed guys like Hicks and Khalil Mack to go and face one-on-ones. And this more so what you're seeing is that what the three-tech's going to do 
is going to free up, you know, your Sam linebacker, who is going to be Jack Sanborn most likely, as well as your middle linebacker to go make plays. And part of that is also predicated on what the ends are going to do, playing kind of in that B-gap against the guards and tackles. All right, he said, um, one of the players that we talked about here in this podcast before camp started uh, was Terrell Lewis. And, you know, we kind of joked with jokes. That's an Alabama guy, uh, you know, that Terrell Lewis is going to make the roster. And we all kind of said he would probably be the camp darling, but probably wouldn't be good enough to make the actual roster. But so far, it looks like he's been impressive. I want to know what you've seen and heard about Terrell Lewis. And if you think he literally has a shot to make the roster, I mean, even with, the Bears, you know, latest ed- edition of Ngakwe. I still think, um, you know, DN depth is something they they really need. So uh, curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, that, you know, Terrell Lewis has been from day one a really intriguing player to watch because you're talking about a guy who is effectively going into year four. And so he's essentially playing, you know, for a longer term contract at this point. But what I've seen from him is just that natural kind of speed to power that, you know, a lot of these edge rushers come into the NFL with obviously, you know, his measurables indicate he's going to be playing defensive end for this team having his hand in the dirt now the key thing to keep in mind with Terrell Lewis is when you have a guy who's like 6'5 262 pounds I mean that there's kind of prime defensive end material right there the other thing to understand you know when you talk about depth and longevity in terms of what this edge rusher group is going to look like I mean Terrell Lewis we have to understand was acquired by the current regime. You know, Travis Gibson was not acquired by this current regime. He's a Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy holdover. And then you have Dominique Robinson, who, again, the Bears took Robinson in the fifth round last year, and he was never really ready to be a starter in year one. They're hoping that he takes a step forward in year two. But if I had to rank the Bears' edge rusher depth right now, I would definitely say on the left side of that defense, I mean, give me Yannick Ngakwe as number one, and then Terrell Lewis and Demarcus Walker as kind of number two and three. I just don't see a scenario where a guy like Dominique Robinson or Travis Gibson significantly pop off to the point where, you know, Terrell Lewis just doesn't make this roster. And then I think, you know, you have to factor in the experience too. When you get a guy who has been in your system for a year. He's been in the NFL for three years now, going into year four. I mean, that also plays a part into the coaching staff's decision. But you look at some of the one-on-ones. I mean, you know, he's come out and he's beat Darnell right a handful of times. And watching those guys up close, O-line, D-line, I mean, that beating that Darnell Wright took was serious and it was warranted you know it wasn't like this whole well darno writes a rookie he's still learning like yeah that's true but also terrell lewis flashed some serious speed and power off the edge so there's a legit case here we're talking about terrell lewis being edge rusher three for this team playing in a rotation i mean he wears 52 he's almost the exact same size i mean maybe we just you know acquired the next khalil mack I mean, no, Khalil Mack was a bit smaller than Terrell Lewis because Khalil was, I think, six foot two, and Terrell Lewis is six foot five. But you're right. In terms of the weight, I mean, they are technically the exact same. But I will say Khalil was this 
freakishly athletic guy who I kid you not, they had to one year. I think it was, yeah, the last year the Bears were in Bourbonnais. So I was down in camp and it was the ones going against each other on offense. And I kid you not, like Khalil Mack basically was told to like tone it down because that man would not let Charles Leno Jr. ever have an easy day in practice. Charles got him a, got him a big contract with the commanders. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> Charles Leno and his wife are pregnant again. I don't care. Uh, back to these <laughs> this this defensive end room you say uh, because this is one of the this is one of the most interesting rooms, especially adding in Gawkway. How many how many ends do you think the Bears keep? We've been talking possibly five six. Uh, what did, what's your what's your kind of number there on defensive ends? Yeah, I mean, you kind of already know this, right? Is that your three locks essentially are going to be Rasheem Green, Demarcus Walker, and Yannick Ngakwe because those guys were all acquired this offseason. Again, you know, the key thing to understand with all three of them is that, especially Green and Walker, they are never going to be guys who are going to blow you away by any means, but they are players who have kind of figured out ways to be productive without and flash potential without necessarily, you know, being um, household names, right? They're kind of like bargain buys in free agency is what I referred to them as, even though I thought the DeMarcus Walker contract was incredibly expensive. But, you know, Terrell Lewis is another name, so you're looking at at least four ends there. And then the fifth and sixth guys, I think, are going to, without a doubt, be Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. Because the problem is that when you get lower on the depth chart, I mean, it's very clear. You know, a guy like Jalen Harris or DeAnthony Jones, you know, two undrafted free agents, there's just no justification for them making the 53-man roster. Plus, I'm going to be honest, you know, Eberflus being a guy who – loves his interior defensive tackles and just a quick note here to make but you look at that indianapolis defense i mean it was good the first two years eberflus was there and then year three when they finally got deforest buckner in that blockbuster trade from san francisco that is when that defense really took off and became one of the best in the league so i think the bears are going to sacrifice some um end depths for some defensive tackle depth. And you look at that DT depth, I mean, you have, you know, Justin Jones and Javon Dexter, they're two blocks pretty much. And you've also have Demarcus Walker who can play end, but also play no tackle. And I think for the Bears sake, they're going to keep him at defensive end. And then Zach Pickens is a guy who, again, you know, being a third round rookie really hasn't flashed a lot but there is something to work with there. And then Andrew Billings and uh, Andrew Brown are two other guys that I see making it from that D tackle spot, but ultimately defensive end. I mean, I do think that they end up going with six of them because I don't see a scenario where, you know, Travis Gibson gets cut and then all of a sudden he goes to some other team that just ends up being a better fit for him. He is still, you know, shown enough over the last three years to warrant keeping around. And I will 
make this note regarding Travis Gibson. When he was at Tulsa, he played in a 4-3. So he has experience playing with his hand in the dirt. And that's one of the things he mentioned last offseason during camp, that, hey, this system feels much more natural for me. It's just that when Pace and Nagy drafted him, they, again, their fingerprints are still sort of all over this roster with some of the core players like Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson. But when Pace and Aggie drafted Travis Gibson, they wanted to make him into a 3-4 defensive end, which anyone who's ever played football knows that there's a world of difference when you've got your hand in the dirt versus when you are standing up and rushing the passer and you're lined up in like a two by seven. So that's interesting with uh, the, the interior defensive lineman um, has that seventh rounder Travis Bell popped at all, or is he going to be a practice squad guy almost guaranteed? You know, he's going to be practice squad guy guaranteed, and and here's why because when you look at kind of the seventh round picks that the Bears had, I mean, let's be honest, like last year, Elijah Hicks was their seventh round pick, and he ended up making it because that's a roster that had like no talent at all, right? You look at this year, Travis Bell is a player who, again, has drawn praise from the people upstairs as well as the coaching staff for, you know, his work ethic and all the challenges that he overcame while at Kennesaw State, you know, playing D3 football, but then also going ahead and um, becoming, you know, coming in after working like literally a night shift, coming in his work uniform. So we know Travis Bell has a work ethic. So he's a player that you want to go ahead and take a gamble on. But I just don't personally see a situation, you know, where he comes in and he's absolutely, you know, going to blow away the competition. Because one of the big things to keep in mind is that playing at Kennesaw State, there is a world of difference compared to, you know, some of the other DTs that are on the roster. Plus, it was always going to be an uphill battle for Travis Bell to even make this roster. Again, you haven't really seen or heard much about him. And number two, I mean, there's no way he's going to come in and beat out Pickens and Dexter and Andrew Brown and Andrew Billings. But again, you know, he is the type of player where you stash away on the practice squad for pretty much a year and see what you have out of him there. Got to get my Kennesaw State shout-outs while I can. Mm-hmm. You say, let's flip to the other side of the ball and talk about the offensive line because that's really where I think it all – everybody wants to know about Fields and how he's coming along, X, Y, Z. But if the offensive line plays well, then I think it falls right – you know, everything falls into place. So how has the new-look offensive line uh, kind of uh, progressed through the first little bit of camp? I know that we've had a little bit of injuries, and you talked about uh, Darnell Wright getting whipped by Terrell Lewis. Elaborate on what you've seen with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's been the O line's been pretty good, and there's two factors that play into that. Number one, you do have more experience on this offensive line compared to what you had last year. You know, Nate Davis coming over from Tennessee, Cody Whitehair basically being the Bears' best offensive lineman since Kyle Long left town, and then you've got Braxton Jones as well, who we'll get to in a minute. But you know, what I think has made a world of difference for this offensive line is that last year at this time in camp, you know, the Bears only had four, uh, like the Bears had one surefire starter on the offensive line, and that was Braxton Jones. And anyways, I remember being in the Walter Payton Center for one close practice, and I was talking to six, seven of the score individual, who I'm not going to mention the name, but we got into a convo about how Braxton Jones was pretty much going to be the starter going into the year because there's no way that you have – 
first, second, third team, and number 70 is playing left tackle on all those teams, and that guy is not locked down a starting spot. So Braxton, you know, is going to be playing left tackle for this team. You look at Tevin Jenkins. I mean, he's handled outside of the two days that I believe he missed with whatever injuries it was. He's handled that transition from right guard to left guard really well. And he did play some left guard at Oklahoma State when he was asked to do so because he was their best offensive lineman there. Played every position but center. Fun little fact. But, you know, he's looking good too. I really think that him doing the pilates exercises, strengthening his back and neck, has kind of helped just keep him upright and durable. Now, if you guys want my guess, and this is just me speculating, the two days that he missed the practice were probably just precautionary, you know, he came down with a stinger and the coaching staff didn't want to risk it for the sake of longevity when it comes to this season. Cody White here is looking fine. I will say, though, if you look at the calendar, I mean, the practice on Friday, August 4th, the Bears did give Lucas Patrick more snaps with the ones than Cody White here. But again, that's just you don't want to read too much into that. I think that was more so the coaching staff kind of sticking to their rep plan that Alan Williams has alluded to. And then right side, I mean, Nate Davis, for when he's been able to practice, has looked pretty solid. Now, I will say, and I noted this on my own podcast, the Picks for Polls podcast, is that you don't pay Nate Davis $10 million in free agency to be an average or above average right guard. Like, you pay him $10 million and you move Tevin Jenkins over to the left guard position because you believe that Nate Davis is going to be this massive upgrade who's going to solidify the right side of that offensive line. And then Darnell Wright, the rookie, you know, he's had his struggles, but he's certainly come back looking lighter and faster. Now, the challenge for Darnell is just going to be if he can continue to kind of develop the mobility that's required to play in this scheme. Because when you're pulling your guards and you're pulling your tackles, right, those guys got to be athletic. And Darnell Wright, make no mistake, I mean, he is freakishly athletic. But there is going to be a natural learning curve for him, especially when it comes to power at the point of attack. And I will say, by the way, a little bit or small note about Braxton Jones here. His anchor last year was a massive issue for me. I thought that the anchor, you know, was a reason he got pushed back so much against speed to power edge rushers. And that was mainly because defensive linemen would kind of just boom, stick it their arms right there in his chest and just start to push him back this year though you can definitely see the anchor has gotten much 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 stronger and he's able to kind of take that initial punch but then go ahead and reset was he doing pilates with tevin jenkins too i have no idea honestly see braxton is this unique individual in the sense that you know Last year after, I believe it was, might have been the Bills game on Christmas Eve, right? But we have open locker room after the games. And so I go up to Braxton. I start, like, asking him a handful of questions before, you know, some other Tribune and Sun-Times folks came over and decided to take the entire conversation over, you know. Pretty, pretty annoying. But anyways, what was interesting about Braxton is he's going to be like very straightforward and blunt with you, but he will also at times give you an incredibly detailed answer. He's not like ever going to be a rah-rah guy by any means. He's going to be incredibly quiet and just be like, cool, let me go ahead and answer this question. You know, so he's a fun individual to kind of go ahead and be around, but I don't think he was working out with anyone, which 
if I'm going to be honest, you know, I wish we got the opportunity to hear from Braxton Jones this camp. Because when I look at like everybody that we've gotten to hear from, because the Bears do live stream these press conferences. I mean, yeah, you have your coaches and all that, but like we've heard from, you know, DJ Moore twice now, Justin Fields twice. Um, Jalen Johnson's been up there, I think, two times at this point. Same thing with Eddie Jackson. It does get to a point where you're like, hey, just bring me a guy like a Braxton Jones or, you know, Javon Dexter so that us, the media, but also the fans can go out and hear from those guys. Yeah, for sure. You, uh, I heard you got to ask, uh, was it Roshan Johnson a question, right? You said? Yeah, it was. And again, no like disrespect to the other people in the room, but if I'm going to be honest, you know, I, again, grew up like everyone who's in that room, right? Everyone was on this podcast. Everyone was listening. You know, you grew up watching or playing football, a combination of the two. But for me, you know, there's no fun in asking like, oh, do you go ahead and, you know, do you text your teammate or do you call or FaceTime your teammate that you played with in college that's on a different team now? You know, give me the more like the juicier questions per se that are really going to get to the heart of like who that player is and what they do. So my question for Roshan was like, hey, you know, this is an offense that has pretty much taken over the league. Um, especially in terms of like the way that the run game works. Have you watched, you know, guys from Green Bay, for example? Because my question was like, have you watched other running backs from other teams around the league to get an idea of how to play and operate within the system? And, you know, my biggest motivation for just asking that was that you have an offensive coordinator who literally was in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And then you also have – um you know, Luke Getze coaching under Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. And who was Matt LaFleur with? He was with Derrick Henry for a year in Tennessee as the offensive coordinator there. But then you also go ahead and have, um, you know, those guys that are all linked to Sean McVay. So the cool thing about this running game and this offense is that it's diverse. You can plug pretty much any sort of running back in there to really make an impact. And then ultimately what it also comes down to is that like the level of difference in this running game, plus the various different ways you can go with it also feeds into how um, diverse and deep the bears running back room is from Dante Foreman, who again is going to make a case for being more than a third down back this year. And then Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson. All right. Usaid, I have a question about uh, some of these injuries. I feel like these injuries are piling up. We've seen Nate Davis on the side. Uh, we've seen now Tremaine Edmonds out for a few days, right? Um, hasn't DeMar I think Demarcus Walker's also been hurt. Um, do you think any of the injuries that we've heard over camp uh, are really serious long-term and the Bears aren't letting us know? Or do you think there's nothing to worry about some, about some of these guys missing um, you know, some practice days? I feel like it's been at least over a week since we've seen Nate Davis, too. Yeah, you're right. It has been a week. And going down the um... – injury report here i mean yesterday at family fest guys and we're recording this on monday august 7th but 
Family Fest was Sunday, August 6th. And, you know, you had your typical guys that had been out, which was Demarcus Walker, Nate Davis, Jack Sanborn, Tremaine Edmonds, those guys being out. Jaquan Brisker did not practice on Saturday or Sunday. And then Kyler Gordon was actually a new addition to the injury report. Another thing to keep in mind is that Eddie Jackson got injured yesterday. Well, I should say injured in quotations, but he pretty much got the wind knocked out of him in Family Fest yesterday and then took himself out of the game, took his helmet off, was sitting on the sideline, and then did not get back into practice at all. So when the Bears return to Hallis Hall on August 8th, I mean, that's going to be one of the big things to go ahead and watch for. But, yeah, you know, these – Injuries are so incredibly tough because someone asked Matt Eberflus yesterday, hey, what exactly is going on with Tremaine Edmonds? Do you see him returning? And my read between the lines was that there's a chance we see Tremaine Edmonds return to practice tomorrow, and he's practicing in an incredibly limited capacity because he's going through a ramp-up period. And then the other half of it is also that, um, you know, I do think there's something – Matt Eberflus said that there's not anything long-term with these injuries, but let's be honest, he's probably just saying that to get some of the people sitting in the front row to kind of go ahead and shut up about the injury report. You know, it's the Bears' policies to not be reporting on injuries, and if it is something long-term, I mean, they said that they're going to let us know, but everyone knows that they're just kind of lying and saying it to say it, so... I would say you can't read too much into the injuries, but there's definitely a situation here where it has to be one or two of those guys has something long-term. And I would bet it's probably going to be Demarcus Walker who has something long-term. But best case scenario is that we see him next week or the week after. What do we think about the Matt Eberflus preseason game plan? We're playing the Titans on Saturday, and then you're going to play what the Colts and someone else on the week in the last week. But what, what, what's going to be the Bears' approach to these three preseason games? It's the Browns of the last week, I think. Yeah, I think it is. I haven't even looked at the preseason schedule because I've been so focused on the, the day to day. Saturday, Colts the next week, mm-hmm. and I think it's Browns last. Yeah, so this, you know, first Titans game, I mean, I think what you're going to see is, see, the preseason schedule this year is so weird because you do have those two joint practices with the Indianapolis Colts, I believe that Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday's an off day. But I think what's going to ultimately happen is this, is that, you know, you're going to see the starters play a series or two in this first preseason game. Then week two, you're just really going to kind of see the starters, um, kind of play only a series and the reason that I say that is because you are going to have these guys go I mean literally against another team on um Wednesday Thursday those two joint practices which are scheduled for the evening and again you know Bear Report will have some representation in Indianapolis covering the whole thing so shameless plug here but you know, follow us on Twitter at Bay Report to go ahead and get the inside scoop on anything and everything going on at Hallis Hall and Indianapolis. But, you know, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see the starters play kind of limited reps in that second preseason game. And that third preseason game, honestly, is going to be all about seeing the depth that sticks. Because if we're going to be fully honest, I mean, there's not very many positions you can look at and say, like, okay, I feel confident having these three or four guys, you know, as 
my depth pieces for this specific position. I'll use O-line as an example. Like Alex Leatherwood, I understand the guy's a former first-round pick, but I don't think that there's a lock that Alex Leatherwood makes this team. And same thing with Larry Borm, which, again, last year at this time, we were all on the timeline talking about how Larry Borm should probably be competing for a starting job. Uh, you said um, you touched on your question with Roshan. Uh, follow up from me would be what's your favorite question you've got to ask at a Bears presser during camp? And then what's something that you took away from one of the pressers that you were either surprised to hear just a, a, a kind of a, oh, hey, like a head nod moment from 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 one of the pressers? Yeah, um, you know, that's a great question, Chris. What's my favorite presser or favorite question to ask at a press conference? I would definitely say this, and you talk to anyone in this industry, and one of the big things that they will tell you is that the first interview that you have, you will never forget it, and it is always going to be the most special one. So for me, you know, this goes back to 2019 kind of, being in camp my first year being credentialed down in Bourbon A, I got to interview Duke Shelley, who I believe plays with the Vikings right now. I'd have to double check on that. But one of the questions I asked Duke, because he was a rookie that year, was, hey, you know, who's one quarterback that you absolutely want to go ahead and intercept your rookie season? And the most obvious answer for him was, Aaron Rodgers. So that was a cool moment. And then I got to interview Bilal Nichols as well and Riley Ridley. And so talking to those guys was really cool too because I was going in with just these broad open-ended questions in terms of, hey, Bilal, you know, you're coming off a rookie season where you've gone from fifth-round pick from Delaware to being a fan favorite. Can you maybe expand and touch on what are the expectations for this star-studded defense featuring guys like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack? And he pretty much said, hey, look, every single player that's on this team right now, I understand I'm in my second year, but my expectation for the defense is that these guys are, without a doubt, second-round picks. And it was also cool hearing from Riley Ridley just how he draws on inspiration from his older brother Calvin, who was with Atlanta at the time to go ahead and be a better route runner and just be a much better technician. So those are some of the ones that I've had a lot of uh, fun with over the last couple of years. And then what was the second part of the question? Cause I went on this like rant. No, uh, what like anything this year from camp that was kind of like an eye opener uh, during a press conference. I think there's been some, some good quotes from, you know, a lot of the, players that or a lot of the coaches about the players that we're kind of all you know watching whether it's Claypool or Vilas Jones Jr. or Darnell Wright or whoever it is are there any are there any quotes from any of the coaches or, or staff that kind of got your attention yeah there have been a handful of quotes this year that have really gotten my attention at bears camp i mean the first one is this and honestly i get quotes from every single press conference i save them away in my email so i can go back and just reference them at 
any point down the line. But you look at, you know, Matt Eberflus had a really good quote last year, and he said that responding is not just responding to adversity, it's also responding to success. And so he brought that quote back this year and pretty much said the exact same thing is that when you respond to something, it's not just about responding to adversity. Like most people think it's also about responding to success. That was an eye opener for me because it kind of showed that, okay, there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way that exists for this team. And the coaching staff is cognizant about that. So you want to go ahead and you want to make sure that your players and the men in the locker room have this kind of even keeled personality that when things are going bad, you are continuing to push forward. And that when things are going good, you're also not responding in a way that's going to be a detriment to your short-term or your long-term success. And then the second quote that has really gotten my attention, I wouldn't say it's a quote, it's just kind of a buzzword that we've seen Alan Williams and Matt Eberflus drop has been the buzzword of elite competitors. Now, what that means to me is someone who comes, a set of player players or a player who comes in you know works his butt off every single day genuinely wants to go ahead and be great because at this level guys with how quickly things move even when you are practicing I mean it's very easy to come in and be the best player on the field but really what makes or breaks you is who you are as an individual and then how you go about competing on the football field, you know, and this Bears roster, like Matty Rufus does not lie at all. When he says it's full of elite competitors, like a Kyler Gordon and a Jaquan Brisker, I mean, he's not lying. This is a roster that, trusts me, when I say this, I mean, these guys want to go ahead and get better. And the foundation for this 2023 team that people are seeing was laid last year towards the end of the year when Brisker and Gordon were saying expect different results this year. Real quick right. before we're, uh, before you tell uh, wrap us up, Luke, and you, we're really thankful to have you on, on the show tonight. You said I really appreciate it. Uh, in sixty seconds or less, what will be the results of this team uh, of, of twenty twenty three in what eight nine months from now? Honestly, I think the Bears are going to go nine and eight, and they're going to be sniffing on the door of a wild card spot. I say that because if we're going to be honest, like the NFC is not really that loaded, but this team, unfortunately, and it's just something that comes with time. They unfortunately don't have the experience needed to go ahead and, you know, make a significant playoff push. And also you look at it, there's no like elite big time, you know, edge rusher that is going to help put this defense over the top offense. They've got plenty, right? But defense, I mean, there's, one or two things there that I look at, like a rookie starting at corner and then not having that elite edge rusher that works against you. But it's a team that I think is going to be in much better shape than most people realize because I don't think the Bears are going to be a team that wins five, six, or seven games. Like They've really raised the ceiling to at least eight or nine wins this year. Well, Joe laid the perfect foundation for my question, which will take us home, but uh, I mean, I think the the question we all want to know is, uh, you know, does Fields look like he's ready to take that leap in camp so far from what you've seen? I think, yes, he does. And I don't know if you guys saw the clip that went viral yesterday where he pretty much threaded the needle 
between, I think it was two defenders in that pass the red zone. So what the Bears are really emphasizing, guys, in camp this year is a lot of situational red zone stuff, you know, a lot of um, quick game as well. I understand, you know, there was a point on the timeline when everyone was talking about, well, it's Justin Fields and all these checkdowns, but it's ultimately like, a checkdown doesn't just mean a quick, you know, four or five yard dump off to your running back, okay, or your tight end sitting in the flat. What it also means is, you know, a quick seven, eight yard pass to kind of help get your quarterback in rhythm, rhythm, really get that quick game going. And again, this is a team they didn't really have much of a quick game last year because they didn't have the horses to run any kind of quick game. Because when Dante Pettis is your wide receiver three, like you're in trouble. But what it ultimately is. I think um, what you're going to see more than anything is Field is taking command of this offense. It's very clear how detailed he's been. He's now the guy who is kind of taking command of the offense in the sense that, you know, he's telling players, this is what you did wrong. This is how you have to go ahead and line up. This is what you need to fix. And so you really see his relationship with the playmakers as well as the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, blossoming to a point where they're going to open up the playbook more this year for two reasons. One, because they got the horses to do so in the playmakers. Number two, because Justin has taken that step forward. You know, footwork's gotten better. There was instances I think I've seen in camp this year where Last year, you would have seen Justin just take off running. And this year, he's become much more comfortable as a pocket passer and is willing to kind of go ahead and step up and, you know, make that throw into that tight window instead of just, you know, bailing out and then turning, you know, a sack into a 20 or 30-yard gain, which, again, you know, we love to see those last year from a fan perspective, but also you want to see him take that natural step forward as a passer. I do think that it's going to happen this year. Because of two reasons. Number one, DJ Moore. But number two, you look at the receivers after DJ Moore, like Chase Claypool has honestly popped off in a damn big way where I think the criticism of him going to Paris when the Bears were on vacation was a bit unwarranted because I was just people kind of, you know, throwing a fan fit on social media, for lack of better terminology. We didn't but do that I'll, over here. I don't believe we, 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 I'm love, we love Golden Domers. Yeah, no, I uh, was like, okay, because I remember being at the Apple store and seeing the tweet, and I'm like, okay, are you serious? Like, you're playing for a contract. You're like, they must have really messed this injury up. But my take on it was simply because – the Bears have never really been good with disclosing much of anything about injuries. But yeah, you know, the wide receiver room this year is looking much better than last year. And little tidbit here, looking at Tyler Scott, I counted probably five or six plays yesterday where the Bears sent him deep Sunday at Family Fest. So there's a very legit chance we're talking about Tyler Scott being wide receiver four and Bayless being wide receiver five. People are really saying people are really bringing out the Johnny Knox comparison. And I think it's way too early for that. But if the Bears had another one of those on their hands, that would be best case scenario. No, I think Johnny Knox was faster than Tyler Scott, if I'm going to be honest. But what you love is Tyler Scott's kind of quick feet and his ability to route run. So Johnny was just a speedy guy who just to go boom all the time. Tyler Scott is more of a refined technician and route runner. Sounds like Randy Moss to me. And he's wearing number 13, right? You said. Yes, he is. I got my uh, roster somewhere, I think. Probably in my 
$17 metal bin that I got from Target that's got all my football stuff in there. So I have to keep it all in one place, you know. You said, Kachua, what a great report, right, t- t- tonight on the Believe in Monsters podcast. Make sure you guys go out and give him a follow at Yushad Kachua and check out all of his great work at 24-7 Sports, the Bear Report for 24-7 Sports. And, I mean, we can't thank you any, any more. Also, go subscribe and listen. I know you guys are always listening to the Believe in Monsters podcast, but believe, uh, subscribe and listen to Picks for Polls as well. And just follow everything that you say is doing because he is right there in Howard's Hall. Uh, we're all out-of-towners, and we're all following it, but you say is right there living it. We appreciate your time, my man. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, I always enjoy doing this. I try to get you guys – as much information as I can about everything. And, you know, y'all know this, but my phone is pretty much always open. So you can call or text me, you know, you guys on the pod at least at, I don't know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I was driving home from somewhere one day and I see Joe calling me. And I'm like, oh, I was actually on another phone call the day that Joe called me. And I'm like, I should probably hang this up because Joe doesn't call me out of nowhere. He probably needs like a last second guest for his radio show or something. Which you've been doing phenomenal with that. I enjoy listening to it, bud. Thank you very much. Thank you. Keep bringing us the great Bears reports, and we will uh, hopefully have a great season ahead of us. Five days away from the Chicago Bears taking on the Tennessee Titans. Yushay, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem, Luke. Thanks, Chris. Anything else we want to get into before we uh, hit the buzzer and sing the song and wrap it up? No, sir. Thanks, Yushay. We need to know if there's a kicker competition. There is not a kicker competition. Andre Smith double doinked it yesterday. Oh, no. And it was the same field goal that, or the same end zone that Cody Parkey double doinked it off. Wait, he did it at Family Fest? Yeah, he did it. No, no, no. Cody did it in that playoff game. Andre Smith did it at Family Fest. Yeah, I know, but. Fired. Oh You're God. cut. You're cut already. Yeah. Get out of Goodbye. here. Goodbye, Schmidt. <laughs> Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you throw the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Villanois, Chicago Bears. Bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.